Seltzer Kings Podcasts. Hey, are you into werewolves, mad sciences, and a little bit of witchcraft? Then stay tuned for an all-new episode of Watch Corner. We're riding this train straight into the sun. Woo! Tune in to a classic episode of Watts Corner on the Seltzer Kings Network. Available on all podcast platforms. The following podcast contains... Hey, 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 watch the language, okay? Your language is offensive. Hey, 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 watch your language. Watch your language in front of the lady, punk! Watch your language, okay? Oh, what language? It's a hat. Watch the language, little boy. You just watch your language, mister. Explicit language. Hello and welcome to the podcast that asks a simple question. When you took the thing that almost 90% of Americans hated and somehow made it even less popular, what the hell were you thinking, Mitch McConnell? I'm your host, Dave Bledsoe, and this is a Friday, June 30th, 2017, Death by a Thousand Tax Cuts edition of the show, where we talk about the 13 rich white dudes that want to kill your grandma. Stay tuned. The What the Hell Were You Thinking podcast is brought to you by Shitsurance, covering your shit. Shit happens in life, and when it does, chances are you're not ready for it. That's why Shitsurance is here. Our plans are designed to help you get through some shit. Scaling plans offer coverage from basic shit happens, covering the sort of generic shit that goes down in your day-to-day life, to catastrophic coverage, this is some fucked up shit. Pick the plan right for you and get your shit covered. Ask about our little shit coverage for your kids and our geriatric coverage bringing up old shit. Shitsurance. The world is full of shit. So get your shit together and get it covered with Shitsurance. That's right, man. You better have some medical insurance or you're going to die. That's right, everybody. Ooh, you got to eat right and exercise. No, you don't. You need some coverage. (laughs) Coverage will save your life. That's right. I mean, we all gonna die, but at least if you got some coverage, you will die on a mattress. I admit, I've been dodging this fucking topic like a Republican politician dodges town halls. Because apparently, talking about healthcare is really, really hard. It's an unbelievably complex subject. Nobody knew that healthcare could be so complicated. Not only is it hard, but it's also incredibly not funny. Have you ever met an insurance salesperson you wanted to have a conversation with? No. And even that joke is lame and old. I mean, I pilfered it off a comedy album by some guy named Fred Finkelstein, the discount comedian that a street vinyl vendor paid me two bucks to take off his hands. Healthcare is complicated, math dense, full of contradictions, inflations, loopholes, and legalese. Maybe, maybe John Oliver can make it funny, but... uh, I, I, I think we can all agree, I am no John Oliver. I am not even Cousin Oliver. Gee, I'm sorry, I was just trying to help. <laughs> but this is a weekly topical show, and this topic has been all over the news this week. Indeed, it's been all over the news for the past four months, ever since Paul Ryan started stroking his pud over the chance to really notch up his kill ratio on the pores. I get it. We're easy targets. What made Paul's cock rock, of course, was a chance to do something the GOP has attempted no less than 50 times previously. The repeal of the Affordable Care Act. And this is not counting the court cases where they tried to kill the bill, but you got to admire their tenacity while questioning their sanity. 
Anything you try and fail to do 50 fucking times, it kind of ought to be a hint for you to find a new thing. But no, not the grand old party. They kept at it until they got the president, the Congress, and the courts. And then when they finally had all of that, the House of Representatives crafted a bill and failed to repeal it again. But the GOP doing the GOP thing tried one more time, and that fourth castle stayed up, pod friends. And finally, the House managed to squat and grunt out a real turd of a bill, which they sent over the, to the Senate. And the senators took delivery of that shot, sodden, stinky package. They went into the back room and somehow took this awful thing that an overwhelming of the majorities of both parties hated and hammered it into a reconciliation bill that achieved what many believed was impossible. It is somehow even worse than the original. How the fuck is that even possible? Oh, friends, there's only one explanation. It's Mitchcraft, that wicked Mitchcraft. And although he knows the pores it will screw. Yeah, no, it's fucking sorcery is exactly how that happened. Oh, God, before we can talk about this piece of shit, Bill, we gotta, we gotta talk about where we've been and how we got here. So, uh, everyone, everyone go over to the machine and let's do this. Well, actually, it's a time machine. I call it a Wayback. We just set it, turn it on, open the door, and there we are. Or were, really. Side note, before we go on, go look up the backstory to Spencer and Mr. Peabody. That shit is fucking dark. Anyway, so I'm going to set the controls of the Wayback Machine to pre-1964, and away we go. Once upon a time in America, no one ever got sick. Well, at least, no one that mattered. Well, actually, a lot of people did get sick, and all of them died eventually, just as you will too someday. But back in those days, if you got sick, you went to go see your local doctor, or the local doctor came to see you. He was always a kindly old white dude who would show up with a black bag, he would listen to your heart, look at your tongue, pour you a shot of whiskey, and gravely inform you of your imminent death from consumption, or ague, or the gout, or whatever the fuck was about to kill you. Now, in this idyllic Andy Griffith Mayberry Golden Age black and white white people vision of America, where a fantasy Caucasian doctor came around, you could pay him in whatever you had lying around the farm. Chickens, or ducks, or your pubescent daughters. Whatever you had handy. How much for the little girl? The women. How much for the women? What? Your women. I, I, I want to buy your women, the little girl, your daughters. Sell them to me. Sell me your children. Now, this, of course, only applied to white people living on farms or small towns. People living in cities and anyone not of pure Aryan descent. Well, there, there may have been doctors for them, but they never made it onto the TV shows that formed the vision of America, dominated the tiny brains of your average GOP politician or the tinier brains of their voters. The reality, of course, was a little different. Doctors did not work for livestock, though I imagine a few would take your nubile young daughters. By and large, they wanted cash. After all, they did not spend all those years in medical school to start a farm or most of them a bordello. A lot of doctoring was just bullshit. Patent medicines and quacks who took your money and gave you little in return but some opium-laced liquor, which is actually useful if you're dying a slow and painful death. But by and large, if you were poor, you went to the hospital to die. 
If you're rich, you still died, but you died at home in bed, and your opium was much purer. But then, in the early 1900s, a hospital in Dallas hit upon the idea that you could pay it a little at a time over time, and even come to see a doctor before your insides were exploding. After World War II, when everybody who was anybody had tons of money, and even those folks who weren't anybody had some money, people started buying this thing called medical insurance. In 1954, the IRS decided that employer-funded medical insurance should be tax-free, and our modern system of health care was born. Imagine it. A massive economic boom. Good jobs, strong unions, and everyone was feeling great. And if you did happen to feel a little bad, your Blue Cross paid for your doctor's visits. You could have your babies in hospitals, and chances are, neither one of you would die. Okay, well, then that's new. Your factory job paid for part of your insurance, your union paid for the rest, and you could look forward to seeing a doctor anytime you were sick. If you got hurt on the job, you could trust you wouldn't go broke while you recovered, and people were generally pretty happy. Well, the people that had good jobs and could still work, the white people, uh, you know, if you lost your job or you retired, or you didn't have a union pension, or you were black for some reason, well, you were right back to dying in the gutter again. In our new vision of America, that didn't sit right with some people, as some people, we call those people liberals, decided to do something about it. And thus, enter Lyndon Baines Johnson. I'm jumping ahead of myself a little bit because we got to go back even further than that. Because, you see, FDR considered going for a national health system as part of the New Deal, but he backed off because he considered it too controversial. Think about that for a second. In the midst of the Great Depression and during the greatest reforms to our capitalistic economy we'd ever seen, when we actually created the social safety net, the guy who did all of that took one look at the healthcare system and thought, no, I'm going to kick that can down the road a little bit. And friends, that idea, that can was kicked around over the decades until 1962 when JFK made care for the elderly a priority and was roundly attacked for it by doctors and insurance. Now, a lot of people know that insurance companies hate the idea of government-funded health care. But a few people actually know how much doctors hate it. Why? Well, simply put, Doctors don't make nearly as much money in a socialized medical system. I mean, they still make a lot of money, just not the shit ton of money that they make in our capitalist system. And you know what? That's fair. That's fair. Medical school ain't cheap, and they got to pay back them loans. Of course, in countries with socialized medicines, there are steep discounts in advanced education for doctors, meaning they don't start their careers in crippling debt. But that is a topic for a completely different podcast. Still... Kennedy could not get the Congress on board for a vote. His whole idea for doing something seemed doomed until he literally took one in the head and that helped get the program for the old and the poor not to die in gutters. LBJ was able to leverage the groups of social programs he called the Great Society through Congress thanks in no small part to the collective grief of America following Kennedy's assassination. In some ways... In fact, in general, in my opinion, the best thing JFK ever did for the country was die for it in Dallas. None of this should take away from LBJ's genuine commitment to these and other initiatives of his presidency. LBJ was a crass, crude, racist Texan who managed to get the country mired in a pointless war costing 50,000 plus lives. 
but he was not bullshitting in that he wanted to help those Americans who needed first, they needed most. So in 1964, we got Medicare, financial health care for the elderly, and Medicaid, financing health care for the poor. Thanks to these programs, if you get sick in America, you at least have a chance to get medical care. You at least have a hope that when you're old and waiting to die, you will not be put on an ice floe and set out to sea. Instead, you can spend your twilight years in a government-funded old folks' home, being beaten and molested by the staff while your mind slowly sinks into oblivion to the soundtrack of daytime television. So I got that going for me, which is nice. Now, these programs have been a bone in the craw of conservatives since their inception. They hate these programs because they saw what happened with Social Security and they knew once that people had it, they could never take it back. Conservative believes one thing above all other, that your money is your money, or more to the point, their money is their money, and they shouldn't have to spend their money on anyone else even if it means the other person dies in agony covered in shit on the streets of America, which we wouldn't have either unless you wanted to spend your money on streets for the poorest to die upon. Taking their money and using it to help people is an anathema to everything a conservative believes, and they are committed to taking back their money by any means necessary. More on this in a moment, because it's very relevant to what happens next. Over the years, our two systems of healthcare more or less existed in contrast to each other rather than competition. The private markets, based around employer-provided health insurance, carried you up until you retired, and then you went on Medicare until you died. But starting in the 1980s, something weird began to occur. Can't imagine what caused it. The cost for treatment began to rise exponentially, while the amount covered by those insurance plans did not. In fact, many of them began to decrease. This, many considered, was a problem. Many people, people who knew things about things widely predicted, that it would lead to a disaster of truly epic proportion. But it was the 80s, and everyone was high as fuck on either cocaine or the catchy tunes of the day, God, I love Phil Collins. And no one really believed the good times would ever end. After all, Reagan was president, and we all had motherfucking Walkman and Ataris. So no one would ever get sick or die ever again. Unless, of course, you were gay, then yeah, you were dying like crazy. But again, that is a topic for a completely different podcast episode. The problem was simple, yet very complex. Simply... Insurers in the late 70s and early 80s began to look for ways to make more money from their customers. The existing plans were really quite crude. You went to the doctor, the hospital, and your insurance paid the vast majority of the bill. You paid a set amount to the insurance company based upon your age, location, and health, and that was it. So they looked at that simple thing and made it incredibly complex, with varying stages of covering for ver- of coverage for varying amounts of money. They created networks of providers who could offer their services for a differing fee structure, and your plan would only pay if you saw a provider in that network. The, insurance, the insurers also began to hyper-analyze the claims to make sure that what you requested they pay for was something you actually needed. Used to be a doctor would order a test and charge you for that test, and your insurer would pay for the test. Now, the insurer would routinely refuse to pay for unnecessary tests, forcing the patient and the doctors to justify the expense. Simultaneously, the insurers began to pitch knick-knack kickback programs aimed at doctors, you know, paying for trips to 
conferences where doctors would learn stuff while drinking, playing golf, and fucking whores. Not, not all doctors, mind you, just the important ones running the hospitals. Where once you went to your doctor for an exam, you now went to a health maintenance organization for wellness care. And how much wellness care depended, as always, on your level of coverage. And your coverage varied wildly from place to place and plan to plan. People bought health insurance because they did not want to die in a gutter, only to find that they could not afford their deductibles, and the amount their insurers would pay out was capped at an absurdly low amount over the course of their lives. A cancer diagnosis and chemo treatment can easily run half a million dollars for one of the cheaper cancers. But just say your insurance had a lifetime cap of $250,000, so now you're on the hook for the remainder. And I don't know about you, but I don't have a quarter of a million dollars, so I would have to declare bankruptcy on my medical bills. All those bankruptcies drove up the cost of treatments to pay for the people who couldn't afford them, which drove up the cost of insurance, which drove up the cost of the number of people declaring bankruptcy on their medical bills in an aerobarus of pathetic and explosive dimensions. And you really didn't know what kind of insurance you had until you got sick and you needed it, but by then, it was universally way too late. Let me tell you a story about someone I know. Man, not another one. Shut up, Gavin, and play the damn music. Once upon a time, a good and decent man left a job he loved very much because that job promoted a bunch of dudes who flew planes over the dude who did not. He took another job that he did not love, but it paid the bills. He was a manager at this job, and it was hard, hard work for long hours. And sometimes it was in warehouses, and sometimes in warehouses, boxes fall and hit you on the head. And sometimes those boxes will do something to your eye that requires surgery to be fixed. But his not-so-good job provided him health insurance for which he paid for. Unfortunately, that health insurance did not pay for all the surgery to fix his eye. And his not-so-good job decided that it was his carelessness that caused him to get hit on the head with the box in the first place and they wouldn't pay the rest. So he was forced to declare bankruptcy on the remainder of those medical bills. So the good and mad, good and decent man who served his country and got fucked by the system got fucked by the system again. And still, for some reason, hated the law that makes sure he will never get fucked like this again because Fox News lied to him and said that that law kills babies or something. That man is my dad, and this story is 100% true. By the early 1990s, the Clinton administration, the first one, not the one that should have been, attempted to tackle the problem by assigning a brilliant woman with the knowledge and expertise to really address and maybe fix the issue. And America hated her fucking guts for it. Things are changing, and not all for the better. The government may force us to pick from a few healthcare plans designed by government bureaucrats. Having choices we don't like is no choice at all. Yeah, they choose. We lose. For reforms that protect what we have, call toll-free. Know the facts. If we let the government choose, we lose. Call today. The GOP went after the Clintons with everything they had, largely because of this initiative to fix health care. What happens next is, well, it's as they say, history. 
Bill got a blowjob and impeached. Hillary became a senator and then lost an election to some kid from Chicago who made fixing the fucked up system the primary policy goal of his first term as president. And the plan that he chose incorporated a lot of things that looked a lot like the things that Hillary had proposed in the 1990s. Because by the time Obama got elected, the problem was bad enough that 20% of Americans had no insurance whatsoever. Probably another 20% had such shitty insurance it was useless. Healthcare costs were out of control. And we would soon be back to the point where poor people just died in shit-covered streets like the Republicans wanted. So that young dude from Chicago took advantage of having a massive political mandate from his landslide election and both houses of a Congress, including a filibuster-proof Senate, and sat down to craft a terrible, shitty, awful, no-good, sop-to-the-insurance-company's bullshit, half-assed crap-fest of a health care bill that would eventually bear his name, the Patient Protection and Affordable Care Act, or Obamacare. It was a crap bill. We should have gone for health for single payer across the board. Everyone knew it. Obama knew it. But instead, we went for a Republican plan, the copy of the one Mitt Romney and his future his future electoral opponent had crafted in Massachusetts. You all pretty much know the result. You lived through it. Everyone must buy insurance, but then we get some money back from the government. It rained in the worst excesses of the insurance providers. No one could be denied coverage because they were sick or were sick. How fucked up is that? You can't get insurance because you were sick with one thing. So if you get that thing again, you they won't cover you. God damn it. Just shoot the poor fuckers in the head. It was an awful shitty bill, but it was the best we could do, even with a massive majority we had in Congress. Well, now that is some fucked up shit. Because the insurance companies and rich doctors were making it rain on congressmen like, well, uh... Rich doctor's in a strip club he visits during a conference paid for by an insurance provider. We got a shitty bill because a shitty bill was all we could get, and it was still better than what we had. And this is what the GOP is trying so desperately to kill. Well, with the added benefits of killing Medicaid. But still, even with how bad as it was, it brought the number of uninsured Americans down from 20% to 10% and made sure that all Americans had something that vaguely resembled a decent health insurance. Sorry, well, that took a minute. It's been a long Damn it, Gavin, don't ever play that song again. And all of this, everything we've just discussed is pretext. Because the GOP doesn't give a fuck about you or your health insurance. They just want to cut taxes on rich fuckers. The doctors and insurance executives who own their sackless little selves. A trillion motherfucking dollars in tax cuts for people who make over one million dollars a year. One trillion dollars that is eight motherfucking zeros my friend for the one percent over the next 10 years it is literally killing the poor to finance some rich fuck stain buying himself a new solid gold dick knob for his yacht's throttle 
Paul fucking Ryan and Mitch fucking McConnell might as well literally be selling licenses to kill poor people and then giving the money right back to the people who buy the licenses. Oh, and if you voted for him, do not look to your orange god for help. He's got no fucking clue about what's going on, and according to Cecil the Turtle, he's actually making it harder for the GOP to get on with killing in the name of tax cuts. Trump promised his adoring masses he would not cut Medicaid. He would see that they got cheaper, better insurance, and to give each and every one of them a magic pony that would cure their addiction to the happy pills, allowing them to make it through just one more day in their post-industrial shithole towns. And this bill does exactly the opposite of all of that. It's like the 13 white dudes in the Senate who wrote this took a Trump rally flipped it, reversed it, and created a mirror universe goateed healthcare bill that would actually kill off his voters faster. 22 million Americans will lose healthcare over the next 10 years. 15 million of them by 2018. Premiums for those who need the coverage the most will skyrocket, a perfect and making $50,000 a year in the pre-Medicare years in some places in the Midwest could see their premiums go up by up to $20,000 plus a year. It restores lifetime coverage caps, so you're back to owing money you don't have to save your life. It would allow states to waive some or all of the elements of Obamacare. Most importantly, it would strangle out Medicaid by not funding it at the same rate that healthcare costs are rising. It would literally prevent pregnant women from enrolling in Medicaid, and Medicaid pays for 40 fucking percent of all the babies born in the United States. It cuts funding for addiction treatment, and that's the thing we're supposed to be caring about because of a lot of white people these days are dying because they can't get off the heroin. This bill is cruel, stunningly so, and I cannot imagine how any politician could produce it and hope to be elected again. It is the electoral equivalent of burning down the Capitol. Barely 17% of all the American people think this is a good bill, and only 35% of fucking Republicans think that it's good. That is insane! And yet here we are. McConnell has suspended the vote on this until after the 4th of July recess, because he didn't have the votes to get it passed in the normal universe. Let me back up for a second, because the way they're getting this passed is fucked up because they're doing it through the Budget Reconciliation Act, which is some fucking voodoo that allows them to pass a bill if it has to do with funding without a filibuster. It's fucked up, and it should just be a walk for the GOP to get this passed because they have the votes, except they don't because this bill is that bad. In a normal universe, I do not see how he could possibly get the votes. But McConnell is a devious fucking stake. He's a master of his craft, and I will give the evil old fucker that. So this bill, despite what you might be hearing in the news, is not dead. That's exactly how the, pa the House passed this bill. The fucking, we all thought it was dead, and we ignored it, and they snuck that shit through like a hooker into the cloakroom. No. No, this bill is not dead. It does not want to go on the cart. In fact, this bill thinks... Go for a walk. You're not fooling anyone, you know. Look. The blocks of GOP senators claiming they would never vote against for this bill will dry up like a jizz stain on Paul Ryan's copy of The Fountainhead. I predict some form of fucked up compromise will emerge and the Senate will get their 50 votes together to let Commander Pence take them over the top and Americans will steadily lose their health care. Not all Americans, 
Right now, California is struggling their way through the complex task of creating a real single-payer health plan for their state. It's hard, but they're working on it. Most blue states will preserve the Obamacare core components in state law. So those of us who live, who live in places whose majorities were not stupid enough to vote for the sort of people who actively want to kill us will be fine. Even those amongst us who hate the ACA will still benefit from it. But out in Redlandia, people are going to die. They're going to go bankrupt to pay for their medical bills. Shitty insurance plans will run rampant through the flyover like patent medicine shows, promising miracle plans but delivering no real coverage. The people who put those 13 white dudes in office who crafted a plan with the sole intention of letting poor people die so rich people can keep just a little more of their money are going to be the ones to die first. But not all of those people are the stupid fucks that voted for them. I would say good riddance to a lot of them because they're bad rubbish. In fact, assholes try some fentanyl. It'll kill you faster. But there are a lot of people who voted for Democrats and a lot of, the, a lot of Republican and conservative kids, their wives and women and minorities and poor people who had nothing to do with this shit. They don't deserve to die like this and they will be the first to go. This bill defunds Planned Parenthood. Again, the sheer irony pro-life politicians being for this bill makes me fucking want to vomit. As it is with all things, the weakest will suffer the first and the most, while the fat, lazy, upper-middle-class, white, piece-of-shit Trump voter will certainly die sooner because of this plan. Unfortunately, it will not be soon enough to save those who don't deserve it. Once again, white, aging baby boomers have raped America and then told us we wanted it, and we were asking for it. I mean, y'all know what you gotta do. I and the folks who live in blue states cannot help you with this any more than we're already doing. Our politicians are already doing all they can to slow or stop this bill, but there aren't enough of them. Y'all gotta help yourselves. You need to be on the phone. You need to be hitting your, hitting your, your congressman's and your senator's office. No, their office. Do not literally hit anyone in any Senate office, even if they deserve it. And of course, y'all got to elect some better politicians. There really are more of you than there are aging white baby boomers. You just got to get the lazy fat fucks out to the poll. The GOP are actively trying to kill you off. Do not let them. Healthcare is hard. Chances are this fucking debacle will eventually put us on the road to a single payer program like Canada or most of the EU. It will not be easy. It will not be perfect. People will hate it. And sometimes it won't work, but it will be better than what we have. Or, you know, we can do nothing and just give up and fucking die. Honestly, I got no dog in this fight either way. I got a good job. I got my VA benefits. My end-of-life plans are all worked out. They're going to let me die in a bed. So, you know what? I got mine. I guess y'all can deal with your own shit. And somebody bring me some fucking fentanyl right before I go because I hear that shit is fucking amazing. I'm so looking forward to that. Healthcare is important. It's literally life and death. We argue about a lot of things in this country and the role of government in our lives. We bicker over interpreting the Constitution about how far and wide the government should play in our lives. One argument is that the government should not tell people how to manage their health and medical decisions. And you know what? That's fair. I just wish the GOP could extend that fucking courtesy to women. But again, that is a topic for an entirely different podcast episode. 
But at the end of it all, we have to decide whether or not providing the ability for people to afford the treatments to save their lives and that allow them to keep living is something the government should be involved in. Is healthcare a fundamental right enshrined in the Constitution, along with all the other rights we treasure, including the Second Amendment that allows us to kill one another? It doesn't mention it right in the Bill of Rights, which a lot of conservatives believe is the only place where our rights are delineated, but they, as usual, are fucking wrong. Healthcare is a fundamental right. It is literally in the first 30 words of the document. To quote it, we, the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, and provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, secure the blessings of liberty unto ourselves and our posterity, do ordain and establish this constitution of the United States. If you don't think the ability to see a doctor and be treated to not have that treatment destroy you financially is not a part of general welfare, then you are a lucky motherfucker who has never been sick a day in their lives. Hey, and if you're a Republican and you're looking for some other reason to justify not voting for this bill, healthcare is important for our national security, particularly at this moment in time. Because right now we need doctors more than ever because our president is not well. He should see one of them. Maybe get some kind of medication. Or better yet, have a nice doctor put him somewhere we can't do anyone any harm. Because he's clearly a threat to himself and he's definitely a threat to everyone else. <laughs> that is it for our show this week. Looks like it was a long one, but unlike our president, I knew nothing about healthcare is simple even doing a dumb podcast about it. I feel bad for the folks at Vox. I mean, they have to talk about this shit all the time. God, it's incredibly boring doing this research. I hope that my little lesson about the history of dying in America was good for what ails you. If not, I suggest you drink heavily. It's how I deal with my pain because I don't ever go to a doctor. People die when they see doctors. But at least my death will come as a pleasant surprise to me, if not anyone who knows me. If you would like to be pleasantly surprised by my demise and want others to share that joy, rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts where you can join Gavin and myriad others begging for the release that my death will inevitably bring. You can follow all of my poor health choices on Twitter at the hell underscore podcast and at the show name on SoundCloud. Our website is www.whatthehellpodcast.com. And uh, hey, you know what? Uh, we're thinking about moving over to Squarespace because uh, we're, we're hoping they'll fess up a little sponsorship money, but... Probably not. I think the entire show violates their good taste guidelines. For me, Dave Bledsoe, Dr. Professor, Producer Gavin, and the fictional insurance salesman on the show, we want to say, Doctor, my eyes have seen the years and the slow parade of fears. Without crying, now I want to understand how the fuck the GOP can be such a bunch of just evil fuckers. I mean, really? How can they do that? We'll see you all next week you must help me if you can the doctor my eyes tell me what is wrong was i unwise to leave them open for so long because i have wandered through this world as each moment has unfurled, I've been waiting to awaken from this dream. People go just where they will, 
I never noticed them until I got this feeling that it's later than it seems. The doctor, my eyes tell me what you see. I hear their cries. Just say if it's too late for me. Seltzer Kings Podcasts.